Good evening, everybody. Welcome to an episode of Living Light Outdoors on the mic with you. Story time with Buster. We're going to uh, continue on on our journey in the final quest, a uh, book by Rick Joyner. Actually, the beginnings of the, the stories that we've been dealing with and been reading. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Uh, this sub-chapter, this sub, uh, subtitle of this chapter is called The Vultures Appear. Then the vultures swooped down to pick up the wounded and deliver them into the camp of prisoners. The wounded still had swords and could have easily struck down the vultures, but they didn't. They were actually carried off willingly because they were so angry at those who were not wounded like they were. I quickly thought about the mob behind the army and ran to see what had happened to them. It seemed impossible, but the scene among them was even worse. Thousands lay on the ground, wounded and groaning. The sky over them was darkened by the vultures, and they were carrying them off to become prisoners of the enemy. Many of those who were not wounded just sat in a stupor of unbelief. They, too, were easily carried away by the vultures. Even though a few had begun trying to fight off the vultures, since they did not have the proper weapons, the vultures did not even pay them any attention. The wounded were so angry, they would threaten and drive away anyone who tried to help them, but they became docile and submissive to the vultures. Those who had not been wounded soon gave up trying to fight off the vultures and began running from the scene of the battle. The first encounter with the enemy was so devastating that I was tempted to join them in their flight. Then, incredibly fast, some of those who had fled began reappearing with full suits of armor on, holding large shields. This was the first bit of encouragement that I remember seeing. These warriors who were returning no longer had the mirth of the party, but an awesome resolve had now replaced it. I knew that although these had been deceived once, they would not be easily deceived again. They began to take the places of those who had fallen, and even began forming new ranks to protect the rear and flanks. This caused such great courage to spread through the army that the determination of everyone to stand and fight again began to rise. Three great angels named Faith, Hope, and Love immediately came and stood behind the army. As we looked at them, all of our shields began to grow. It was amazing how quickly despair had turned to faith. It was a solid faith, too tempered by experience, the highway. Now everyone had swords named the Word of God and the arrows named for the different biblical truths. We wanted to shoot back, but we did not know how to avoid hitting the Christians who were being ridden by the demons. Then it occurred to us that if these Christians were hit with truth, they would wake up and fight off their oppressors. I fired off a few arrows, as did some of the others. Almost all the arrows hit Christians. However, when the arrow of truth went into them, they did not wake up or fall down wounded. They became enraged, and the demon riding on them grew much larger. This shocked everyone, and we began to feel that this was an impossible battle to win. Even so, with faith, hope, and love, we were confident that we would at least hold our own ground. Another great angel named Wisdom then appeared and directed us to fight from the mountain behind us. On the mountain were ledges at different levels for as high as we could see. At each higher level, the ledges became narrower and more difficult to stand on. Each level was named for a biblical truth. The lower levels were named after foundational truths such as salvation, sanctification, prayer, and faith. And the higher levels were named after deeper biblical truths. The higher we climbed, the larger both our shields and our swords grew, and fewer of the enemy arrows could reach our positions. 
Some who had stayed on the lower levels began picking up the enemy's arrows and shooting them back. This was a very grave mistake. The demons easily dodged the arrows and let them hit the Christians. When a Christian was hit by one of the arrows of accusation or slander, a demon of bitterness or rage would fly in and perch on that arrow. He would then begin to urinate and defecate his poison upon the, that Christian. When a Christian had two or three of these demons added to the pride of self-righteousness he already had, he was transformed into a contorted image of the demons themselves. We could see this happening from the higher levels, but those on the lower levels who were using the enemy's arrows could not see it. About half of us decided to keep climbing, while the other half descended back to the lower levels to explain to those below what was happening. Everyone was then warned to keep climbing and not stop, except for a few who stationed themselves on each level to keep the other soldiers moving higher. Safety at last. When we reached the level called the Unity of the Brethren, none of the enemy's arrows could reach us. Many in our camp decided this was as far as they needed to climb. I understood this, because with each new level the footing was more precarious. However, I also felt much stronger and more skillful with my weapons as I went higher, so I continued climbing. Soon my skills were good enough to shoot and hit the demons without hitting the Christians. I felt that if I kept going higher I could shoot far enough to hit the main leaders of the evil horde who stayed behind their army. I regretted that so many had stopped on the lower levels where they were safe but could not hit the enemy. Meanwhile, the strength and character that grew in those who kept climbing made them great champions, each one able to destroy many of the enemy. At each level, there were arrows of truth scattered about, which I knew were left from those who had fallen from that position. All these arrows were named after the truth of certain level, and from each of the levels many people had fallen. Some of those with me were reluctant to pick up these arrows, but I knew we needed all we could get in order to destroy the great horde below. I picked up one of the arrows and shot it, and so easily hit a demon that the others also started picking up arrows and shooting them. We began to decimate several of the enemy divisions. Because of this, the entire evil army focused its attention on us. For a time, it seemed that the more we achieved, the more the enemy attacked us. Though our task seemed endless, it had become exhilarating. Since the enemy forces could not hit us with their arrows on the higher levels, swarms of vultures would fly above us to vomit down on us. Other vultures carried demons that would urinate or defecate upon the ledges, making them very slippery. Our swords grew after we reached each new level, but I almost left mine behind because I did not seem to need it at the higher levels. I almost casually decided to keep it, thinking that it must have been given to me for a reason. Then, because the ledge I was standing on was so narrow and slippery, I drove the sword into the ground and tied myself to it while I shot at the enemy. The voice of the Lord then came to me, saying, You have used the wisdom that will enable you to keep climbing. Many have fallen because they did not use their sword properly to anchor themselves. No one else seemed to hear this voice, but many saw what I had done and did the same. I wondered why the Lord had not spoken to me to do this sooner. Then I realized that indeed he had already spoken this to me somehow. As I pondered this, I began to understand that my whole life had been training for this hour. I knew that I was prepared to the degree that I had listened to the Lord and obeyed his voice through my life. I also knew that for some reason the wisdom and understanding I now had could not be increased or taken away while in this battle. I was very thankful for every trial I had experienced in my life, and I was sorry for not appreciating them more at the time. Soon we were hitting the demons with almost perfect accuracy. Rage ascended from the enemy army like a fire and brimstone. 
I knew that the Christians trapped in that army were now feeling the brunt of that rage. Some of the demons became so enraged that they were now shooting at each other. Normally this would have been very encouraging, but those who suffered the most were the deceived Christians who were in the camp of the enemy. I knew that to the world this was appearing as an incomprehensible meltdown of Christianity itself. Some of those who had not used their swords as anchors were able to strike down many of the vultures, but they were also more easily knocked from the ledges where they were standing. Some of these landed on a lower level, but some fell all the way to the bottom and were picked up and carried off by the vultures. I spent every free moment trying to drive my sword deeper into the ledge or trying to tie myself more securely to it. Every time I did this, wisdom would stand beside me, so I knew that it was very important. A new weapon. The arrows of truth would seldom penetrate the vultures, but they hurt them enough to at least drive them back. Every time they were driven back far enough, some of us would climb to the next level. When we reached the level called Galatians 2.20, we were above the altitude that the vultures could withstand. At this level, the sky almost blinded us with its brightness and beauty. I felt peace like I had never felt it before. Until I reached this level, my fighting spirit had been motivated almost as much by fear, hatred, or disgust for the enemy as it had been for the sake of the kingdom, truth, or love for the prisoners. But it was on this level I caught up to faith, hope, and love, which before I had only been able to see from a distance. Here I was almost overpowered by their glory. Even so, I felt that I could get close to them. When I got next to faith, hope, and love, they turned to me and began repairing my and shining my armor. Soon it was transformed enough to brilliantly reflect the glory that was coming from faith, hope, and love. When they touched my sword, great bolts of brilliant lightning began flashing from it. Love then said, Those who reach this level are entrusted with the powers of the age to come. Then turning to me with a seriousness that was very sobering, he said, I still must teach you how to use them. The Galatians 2.20 level was so wide that there did not seem to be any danger of falling. An unlimited supply of arrows was available, and the name Hope written on them. We shot some of them down at the vultures, and those arrows killed them easily. About half of those who had reached this level kept shooting, while the others began carrying the arrows down to Christians still on lower levels. The vultures kept coming in waves upon the levels below but with each wave there would be fewer than before. From Galatians 2.20, we could hit any of the enemy in the army except the leaders themselves, who remained just out of our range. We decided not to use the arrows of truth until we had destroyed all the vultures, because the cloud of depression they created made the truth less effective. This took a very long time, but we did not get tired. Finally, it seemed as if the sky over the mountain was almost completely rid of the vultures. Just as our weapons had grown, faith, hope, and love had also grown with each level. They were now so large that I knew people far beyond the battle area could see them. Their glory even radiated into the camp of prisoners who were still under a great cloud of vultures. I was very encouraged that they could now be seen this way. Maybe now the prisoners and the Christians who had been used by the enemy would understand that we were not the enemy, but they, in fact, had been used by him. However, this was not to be the case, or at least not yet. Those in the camp of the enemy who began to see the light of faith, hope, and love started calling them angels of light who were sent to deceive the weak or undiscerning. I knew then that their bondage was much greater than I had realized. The non-Christians who were not part of either of these armies saw the glory of faith, hope, and love and started to come closer to the mountain to get a better view. 
Those who came closer to see them also started to understand what the battle had really been about. This was great encouragement. I'm going to leave us right there. We're going to pick this up uh, next week, beginning with the trap. Man, I hope you're enjoying this. I know this is some powerful, powerful writings that are coming out of Rick Joyner. This book uh, is the very first book of his that I read. Very powerful, very intriguing, very um, <laughs> very moving, uh, very changing book for me. Uh, it, it began to open my eyes to spiritual warfare in a way that I had not seen before. And I hope that's something that's going to happen for you as well. Let God open your heart to this. Let him pour into you whatever it is he wants you to see in the midst of these story times. I've so enjoyed these. I hope you are as well. May God bless you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for praying for us. Continue to do so. If you haven't been supporting us financially and would like to, all of our giving links are on our webpage, www.livingloudoutdoors.com. They're on our Facebook page pinned right to the top and a beautiful picture of my bride and I and our story. Uh, we would we would greatly appreciate your support, uh, but we covet your prayers. Continue to partner with us, walk with us on this journey as God sets us free and uses us to be a light shining in the darkness, to seek out that which is lost so that it may be found. Amen. God bless you. We'll talk to you again real soon.